cutting edge guests, awesome uncensored, jaw dropping information, plus funny memes, good deeds, and loads of laughter. Kind of have it all. Ladies and gentlemen, if your soul is awake, then welcome, because you're in the right place. Hey, you divine lions and lionesses, you amazing sovereign souls. Look at this. Powerful, affordable X39 patches help regenerate your stem cells. These were developed for Navy SEALs. Burns up to 500 calories, acts like a wearable med bed on your body. So you get to wear your natural wellness daily. Order X39 now at catchthelifewave.com. There's Monday to Friday phone support, so you can go there. There's Zooms, and there's a 100% 90-day money-back guarantee at catchthelifewave.com. The X39, there is nothing else like it. Help activate stem cells, reverse aging, and rejuvenate your life at catchthelifewave.com. Welcome back to the Sovereign Soul Show, you divine lions and lionesses. I am your host, Brad Wozni. You know we stand for love, levity, and liberty because, after all, love is the greatest power in the universe, multiverse, with the greatest omnipresence of divinity, G-O-D, God on our side. I say that to you as a man, Brad Wozni. I say that to you as a Reiki master of nearly a decade, practicing 22. And I am joined by an incredible roundtable of both patriots and warriors of God right now. You are seeing this on Saturday, December the 9th, I believe. Let me see, it's covered up. Yep, Saturday, December the 9th in the Americas, perhaps it's Saturday, it's Sunday, December the 10th. And we have a lot of relevant information to share with you over the next 60 minutes. So without further ado, I'm just going to welcome back once again to the show. We have Lee Dundas here, the modern day Joan of Arc. Remember, she was last on the show. We we're talking about her book, Just Stand Up. And she was one of the people who also supported the 1 billion march on September 20th for the kids, where we stood up and walked out against kids and against the World Economic Forum and the World Homicide Organization with the vaccine genocide, plus the sexual agenda of kids, which is all goes back and stems to demonism as well. Returning to the show, Pastor Archer Padlowski, and on that same day of September 20th in Calgary, Pastor Archer actually acted as this soul's shows, my goodness, like a reporter on the ground live streaming the march to the City Hall in Calgary and then down through the park on the walkout, the Million March walkout for the children in Canada on that date. Returning to the show once again, I'm honored with Lieutenant Colonel Ricardo Bosley, former retired SAS commander, leader of Australia, one party, and new to the show, Dr. Herbert Rebhand. He goes by Dr. Reb. Reb, here's his book as well, All Things Strange and Wonderful. This should be really be a mini series to come out now. If you like Yellowstone or you like the 1883, let's go to a true mystical journey of a man in Malawi. So all the links for everybody's books are underneath here. And by the way, we haven't skipped over Greatness Awaits You by Ricardo Bosi as well. We have quite a bit to cover off. So I'll turn it over to them as well for their own introduction. And ladies first, we have the descendant of Patrick Henry. Lee Dundas here, and we have just passed the unfortunate anniversary of the false flag, Pearl Harbor. We just had, as I'm part of the Alliance of Indigenous Nations, and we meet twice a month on Thursdays. They say the Lahaina attacks, they are not called the Maui fires. They 
literally classified as the Lahaina Maui Directed Energy Weapon Terrorist Attack. That is from the Alliance of Indigenous Nations, 58 sovereign around the world, soon to be 152. So Lee, your book, just stand up and with what you are doing, how do you see the book? The last time we spoke, my dear, you said it was safer living in the Malai Thai border where you're rescuing girls, where there's 300 IEDs going off over the year than it was in California, where you and your husband was also a veteran and you come from a line of veterans. Thank you for your service, Stan. So that's a mouthful. Try to get it out there for everybody. Consolidate because we have 60 minutes. I, I don't know what else there is to say other than uh, you did a, you did a great job, Brad, and thanks for having me again. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I spent a lot of the last 10 years in third world communist countries fighting uh, child sex slavery. And uh, one of those countries, Thailand, it butts up against the Malaysia border. And on the other side of the river, on the Malay side, they have radical jihadi terror training camps and they need to keep their skills sharp. It's understandable. But unfortunately, the way they do that is they uh, they bomb the brothels on the other side of the border. So there's nothing in this town except for 140 child brothels. And at your back, you've got jihadis who are bombing you. The first year I worked there in 2013, we had 330 bombs go off. It was basically one a day. Um, but I wouldn't trade that work for the world. I feel like I'm actually at my highest and best use and doing what God wants me to do on this planet when I'm doing that work. Um, other than, you know, when 2020 hit and I realized, wow, we have a a more dangerous situation in our own backyard in Canada and Australia and Orange County, California, uh, than we do in, in, you know, this horrible, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah town that I work in on the other side of the world. And uh, I just, for better or worse, I've never been able to hold my tongue, especially when I see uh, big people picking on little people, especially when there's some sort of injustice. And so, um, you know, I took to the streets and started pointing out, uh, the wrong and there was a lot of wrong going on and there's still a lot of wrong going on although we've, we've definitely made progress um, and I do think we're going to win this war but we need to be fighting smarter not harder and this is an information war so all of your viewers need to understand that when they're watching the alternative platforms that are rapidly overtaking the the real news uh, the legacy media that they are actually doing one of the best things they can be doing because information is your new defense it's your armor and it's the new bullet in your figurative gun. Without information, you are at risk. With information, you can actually do what you need to do to protect country, protect your family, and uh, elevate God and freedom and all of the other things that are important in our lives. So that's what I've been doing for the last three years. Um, I don't know what else there is to say. It's been an honor. I It was crazy. The convoys were crazy that, that we architected in Canada and down here. Uh, the nationwide walkout was crazy. Uh, you know, hiring PIs to find out what skeletons live in elected officials' closets so we could name and shame them out of their office. It, it's stuff you never thought you'd be doing when you got into Yale Law School at 17, but you do what you got to do to win. And I'm a fan of being a Navy SEAL and not a Navy grunt. They have a 20 to 1 kill ratio. SEALs and special forces snipers can go as high as 400 to 1. You want to win this war, you start fighting smarter, not harder. So grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. You're muted, Brad. Much. Yep. I do that to myself sometimes. <laughs> and over to Pastor Arjapagleski, sir, would you do us, would you please lead us off in prayer and then we go into your background? As many people on our audience know, but many other people may not who have just joined our audience over the last month or two. Sure. 
Father God, we thank you for this opportunity because that's what it is. It's another opportunity that we can bring the truth, the very truth that you say in your word that will set the captives free. So in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the only one Savior that came and died and rose from the grave for us, Father God, we pray that whatever we're going to be sharing today will come from you and will set many, many captives free, that the words that we're going to share will give encouragement and hope to countless people so they would understand that the moment the living God shows up, it's over for our enemies. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I just want to say, um, I agree with you. Um, we, when I was in the business, and that's my background, that's what I did for a living. I was a businessman. I owned many businesses in Poland, in Greece, in Canada. And um, and that's where God got a hold of me. Literally, he told me to walk away from business. I had an office in Bankers Hall, which is one of the most prestigious places you can have in your office. And um, he told me to pack my stuff and walk away from my office. And I never went back. I literally walked out of my office, lost millions of dollars. I had seven houses and I never went back because one man had to die. Once I asked him, why did you do this to me? Uh, at the height of my career, if you will, that's where I was getting, you know, the spoils of war, if you will. Uh, why you ask me to leave that behind? And he said, because one man had to die in order for the preacher to rise up. A businessman had to die. But we had this saying uh, during that time that information is more important, more precious than money, because making money, it's actually, believe it or not, very easy if you have the right information. If you know where to put your investments, making money is the easiest thing you can imagine. I was very good at it, but I had the right information. So you're absolutely right. When you give the people the right information, that information sets them free, sets them free to be free, sets them free to prosper, sets them free to make uh, in the right decisions, not just for them, but for their children as well. And that's what we're fighting. We're fighting for that information so people would be able to make their own decisions, not um, follow the decisions of some psychopathic bloody murderers uh, that call themselves Schwabs or Clintons or Obamas or Bidens or Trudeaus or whatever the name you can attach to it. If I was your king, I would charge all of those politicians with treason because that's exactly what they're guilty of. We need Nuremberg trials and number two. And I tell you, this is not about vengeance. It's about justice. Justice demands retribution because I'll tell you why this is so important. Because if you don't bring justice, you can call it whatever, Nuremberg number two. If you will not do it soon, some other people, maybe with different names and different faces, will pop up and will try to do this to us again. Evil is like a cancer. Cancer never stops on its own. It has to be cut out. We must cut this cancer out or it will kill us. And what's more important, it will kill our children. So, um, my family, well, my God, where to start? We have been fighting evil since the beginning of the war, I guess. My grandfather escaped Siberia. My grandma escaped um, a police when she was caught with my great uncle. Uh, he was a soldier 
escaped under from under the boots of the Soviets. Of course, Nazis attacked Poland and there was a, a bloody war. Then we were when when you were celebrating the victory over Adolf Hitler, Poland was taken over and enslaved by the Soviets. And I was born and I started to fight, believe it or not, as a kid against the Soviets. For example, I would never uh, allow them to, you know, to give me a, a Russian flag. I would always be very patriotic. I would walk with Polish flag, with Polish eagle. So as a kid, we were resisting the Soviets. We were fighting in our own little way. And of course, when I grew up, I became a smuggler. Everything that the crooked government uh, disallowed, um, and I'm talking about chocolates. Um, <laughs> chocolates from behind the Iron Curtain was an enemy of the state. You were not allowed to buy it. Anything from outside of the Iron Curtain was the enemy of the state. You were not allowed to have a pamphlet that was not approved by the Communist Party. You were not allowed to listen to a European radio. That was five years of imprisonment if you were caught listening to the information. So anyway, I grew up in hell, as I call it, escaped to Greece, and then from Greece to Canada, uh, not for El Dorado. My El Dorado was in Greece. We came to Canada for freedom. And here I am, just like I shared before, 340 citations later, 120 court cases later. I'm still in court right now. Convicted uh, terrorist for giving a sermon to a hurting Canadians during the truck convoy. Arrested, re-arrested, arrested, imprisoned, solitary confinement, metal cages, psych ward. Um, I was even put in a max pod, which is for the most dangerous terrorists in the country, alone in the entire 300 people prison. I was the only inmate because I was considered the most dangerous man in Canada. And all of that because of my big mouth. I mean, think about it. I have no... Uh, a violent record. I have never been arrested for any sort of violence or assault. And yet they are so afraid of my mouth that they consider me the most dangerous man in Canada. I laugh at it. Uh, they tried to assassinate me multiple times. I, I lost count, put my house on fire, unscrewed tires in my pickup truck. I was physically attacked, pistols, knives. Five inmates already testified that the guards were giving them incentives to murder me in prison put me in a solitary in freezing conditions, minus 28. Um, I mean, they've done everything they could, but the message is this, and it's very simple. My God is bigger than all the idols combined together. He has unlimited resources. Sometimes we look at our enemies and we say, well, they have everything their hearts desire. No, no, they don't. For example, they don't own their own lives. They live because my God allows them to live. So we have to have the right perspective. And I telling you, I'm telling you that this is our time. We were born for such a time as this. And the time is now to go after the villains. We have been defending ourselves for a way too long. Now we got to be more aggressive. We got to move on the offense, go after them, name them, shame them, expose them at every corner. When you see a politician on the streets, yell and scream bloody murder. Get out of this city. Get out of this restaurant. Sue them personally. Go after the police. Go after the chief of police. Go after the sheriffs. Go after anyone and everyone that has done this treacherous thing against you because justice, victims of this craziness are demanding justice and restitution. So that's my message right now. I have been fighting with them for a very long time. Uh, like I said, in um, under communism in Poland behind the Iron Curtain and now under 
a hydra, I call it, with many heads, uh, some kind of a mixture of fascism, communism, socialism, globalism agenda right now that we are we are facing. So, but I don't want you to be discouraged because when you're looking at the enemy, uh, the giant that we're fighting, you got to remember it took one stone and one brave nobody. A doctor here before we went on on the show, he says, "Well, I'm a nobody, no sir. You are a somebody. God is actually looking for nobodies in the eyes of men because they are somebodies in the eyes of God. God needed a kid, seventeen year old, smelling like a goat and a sheep, a willing vessel that was willing to take a nothing, a smooth stone to take down the biggest." and the most powerful giant in the land. Because on the other side of that mountain, David saw an opportunity and his destiny. I'm telling you guys, we are witnessing biblical times. This is our time. This is our destiny. We were groomed, built, prepared for such a time as this. And I'm super, super excited. Pastor Pavlovsky, absolutely lightning in the bottle. Thank you, sir. And God bless you for still being here. And we are so grateful that you continue to fight on behalf of all humanity. This is literally where all David's, as you just so eloquently and beautifully pointed out. Lieutenant Colonel Ricardo Bosi, head of Australia One Party. Please go ahead, sir. It's an honor. Hey, Brad. Good morning. Good evening, everyone. Um, okay, background very quickly. Son of immigrants, a couple of kids that came out from Europe after World War II. They came as refugees, had to apply for their own citizenship, believe it or not. That's how bad the paperwork was, not surprising. Professionally, though, my background, uh, just under 25 years in the Army, mostly in special ops, 25 years in business, consulting internationally on leadership strategy, innovation, business continuity. And like everybody, the good Lord puts us on a path that prepares us for what we have to do. And as our good friend, Brad, uh, Guru, our good friend says, find out what God put you here for, get on and get to work because how we got to where we are is exactly where we need to be. And so um, I got involved in this little game after five years in the Middle East and coming back to Australia, seeing the disaster that Australia had become and we knew we had to do something about it. So not knowing much about politics, we threw ourselves into it. We've created this party called Australia One, tens of thousands of supporters around the country, internationally known as a force for good in this war. Now, our focus has always been, and this is the, the, the genius of God, of course, he prepares you with the skill sets that you need. So apply my my skills for planning, for uh, organisation. We've been working for the last four or five years to build up a force that can help transition the Australian people from where they are to where they need to be because a lot of people are defining the problem, but nobody's actually preparing the people for that transition, which is going to be mind-bending for most of them. We're lucky we've had a chance to slowly um, familiarise ourselves with the terrain, but most of, the, most of the, the country of Australia, most of the world are still well and truly asleep, and so our job, Australia One, will, is to become the party of government of this country and then transition the people from this slave state in which we have been born and lived, and some unfortunately have died, into a new land of freedom. Uh, the, the likes of which the world has never seen before. So that's our job. So we're more than happy to do it. Stand up. And you guys have been doing it. And you've been sending that message out there for a long time as well, Ricardo. Truly appreciate it. 
By the way, I'm going to ask you, so we have time, if you wouldn't mind at the end of this, to end us off with the prayer, the same prayer you read during our envisioning with Dean Decode in Italian and English, if you have that available, so we've got a little bit of time. Thank you, sir. It was absolutely beautiful. And over to Dr. Herbert Rebhan. goes by the handle Dr. Reb or Reb with that amazing book, and All Things Strange and Wonderful, and a mystic journey from Malawi. Born and raised in America, now you're over almost like a neighbor to Ricardo and his lovely wife. Please, a little bit about your background and likeness to your servant, David, as well. Well, <clears throat> first of all, uh, I apologize. I got a little bit of congestion in a scratchy throat. Sounds like I just drank a bottle of Jim Beam and smoked a carton of uh, unfiltered cigarettes. So if I don't come through clearly, I apologize for that. Uh, I am the nobody that the pastor spoke of. Uh, and I feel very grateful and honored to be amongst this group because personally, I have not been persecuted for my beliefs to the extent that everyone else has. So I'm the average Joe. I'm the guy that's out there just like maybe everybody else that's listening to this. Uh, my background is I grew up in the state of Wisconsin, which I tell everybody is a great place to be from because pretty soon it's going to go 20 to 30 below zero. And uh, I don't really care for that anymore. But uh, I was raised in a strict Catholic family, and maybe like a lot of young men who are high on testosterone and low on brain power, probably ran away from the church and ran away from God as quickly as possible. But uh, praise to the Almighty Lord, uh, he, she had uh, some different plans. And my first job out of veterinary school was I was a Peace Corps volunteer in uh, Malawi, which was one of the 10 poorest countries in the world. It's a country where you probably would think that you would find only sorrow, but it's called the warm heart of Africa. And it's called the warm heart of Africa because the people are so happy and so friendly, even though they have by our Western standards next to nothing. And that is where God basically uh, put me on my back, knocked me over the head with a two by four and said, now it's time for you to look at me. And uh, I was able to, you know, re-explore my own spirituality uh, with the Lord. Um, and that's where I'm at now. And uh, that comes through my book because that's part of my education that comes through it um, for those that have a chance to read it. And again, you know, for the input that I put in here, um, I'm just talking like, you know, the average guy in the street. And what I would maybe just add, um, and we can explore it later, is we are in great conflict right now. And I would say the conflict really boils down between spiritualism and materialism. And of course, materialism has no room for God because it's really idolatry. We're worshiping the things that we create with our own hands. And when you're a spiritualist or you're exploring or developing or working on your spiritualistic tendencies, you have a much clearer view of the materialistic world and the way that it's going, where we're heading and how we are all being manipulated by it. So there is a great conflict out there. Um, it's, it is essentially spiritual warfare, uh, and we're all going to have to choose sides here pretty soon. Otherwise the sides are going to be chosen for us. So whatever input that I can put into this illustrious group, I just feel greatly blessed. Honored, honored to have you here and honored to have you all. Appreciate it. And for my background, if we're on Australia One or Solidarity or V's new channel that's coming up because she's about to launch a podcast. So we're going to see that in here for you now, Lee, for your book that just launched as well. Um, you know, Brad Wasi, Canada, 
little bit of stint in the Canadian Light Infantry and then Force Firefighting hopping out of helicopters. Best job I've ever had in this lifetime incarnated, I can tell you. The wild forest fires in Ontario and the Yukon. But I became a Canadian only because I was born on its soil of Turtle Island. It was my grandparents on both my parents' side from France, Polish, uh, Poland, and Ukraine who fleed the Blitzkrieg, the Nazi Blitzkrieg going across, just the lead up, building up to it, and then also during it to Canada as that bastion of freedom, the beacon of freedom, which are the exact words Pastor Pawlowski used. And my grandfather, my mother's father, and his two brothers signed up in 1939 on September 11th. That's when the country of Canada, the Crown Corporation, traded on the stock market, just like Australia, the bankrupt USA Corporation, and others, declared war on Germany. And so he flew B-17 Lancasters for five years, a half a decade of combat, of flying into flag to drop bombs on Germany. And so lost his brother, my great uncle, on the last day of the war, one hour before they declared peace armistice, and then came back. And so where we all are right now, you can see the architect of the Nazi demonic Luciferian, the Kazarian mafia, the multiple shows I've had with the lovely amazing Colonel Chuck Sellers, former deputy commander of Delta Force, who has said when he was in Delta Force, it was the Polish Grand. He felt that they were just like the U.S. Army Delta Force at that level. And of course, in the shows we've had with Michael Jaco and Lieutenant Colonel Carabosi, he said, when I was Navy SEAL Team 6, we looked at the Aussie SAS. So all tier one, all lost. And here we are right now, we're fighting the same Kazarian Mafia, and they're on their last legs. Even Tucker Carlson with Alex Jones, just of the last few hours or days ago, just shared that once again, red pilling the world about the 9-11, the tower drop. And the final piece to my introduction for anybody who's new is at that point in time, I was out of the army in a firefighting and I was now research in motion Blackberry and interesting, unique intersection of history because I was being promoted out of a sales manager in New York City from Blackberry into a business development manager for the DOD Black Rim Blackberry Company in Canada to be a part in liaising with the U.S. Department of Defense. And in that interesting germination in August and September 2001, I still had all my clients who were Wall Street or legal firms, also in the World Trade Centers. And then also I had EDS, Booz Allen Hamilton clients and peers at the U.S. Pentagon. And what RIM does have on the emails, because the emails also came through me as a RIM employee at West 57 and Broadway. I'm probably one of the few people ever known in history to stand there as the 9-11 towers. All three of them dropped in their footprint inside job and were smoldering rescue efforts. And 72 hours later, I was at the U.S. Pentagon. We have pictures here and I'll put them here in the edit of me standing at the podium after that POS. Donald Rumsfeld made a speech, and I'm there with the BlackBerry, and then I was 18 stories below the Pentagon in E-Ring, which is the closest room they see, because of my job at that time. As a continuity of government, we've had Derek Johnson here talk about continuity of government, so we won't get into it now for our time. So those are massive red pill moments for me. To see that we have emails, and I'm on the email chain saying missile, missile, missile at the Pentagon. And then days later, all of a sudden, the news is saying this is a plane. I'm like, I just, there was no freaking plane. The thing is small. Why are they saying it's a plane? Now we know about the cover up. So I've lived through that. My sister has been eight years in CSIS. 
she left CSIS because of some various stuff that she uncovered. Obviously, she won't speak out about that publicly. And now she's a Reiki master and has worked her way back to that. So it's amazing how we've all come around and had our unique experiences. And speaking of experiences right now, Rick, you guys have the Forest of the Fallen in Australia. We, you've been leading a lot of efforts as well in America and getting out there as well as being a liaison to America's frontline doctors and children's health defense. And Pastor Pavlowski, you are now ejected from the city of Calgary council chambers as a politician. Where are we going into the Christmas break and the new year? Where do you see things going on? I'll just make it an open floor. Feel free to jump in on this. All of you, dear souls. And Dr. Ebb, of course, obviously yourself too, please. So we have the political, oh my goodness, the arrest and the children and the vaccine genocide. It doesn't seem like it's going to lighten up anytime soon. That's what I like. Let, let me just kick off with the, the, the spirit of the season. Um, it's been recently announced in Australia, one of our states, and it's going to go national, is they're going to remove Australia Day, Anzac Day, and Christmas Day from the political calendar. So I'll just le I'll just leave that one there. That's where we are here. The people are not waking quickly, but we didn't expect that. The um, but the mainstream media, perforce, are now reporting that which we have known to be true for some time. So we're expecting things to shift very quickly. But the fact that they're targeting Christmas Day like that uh, highlights the attack on Christianity worldwide, certainly in Australia, but worldwide. This is the one religion that they must destroy. And we know why, but this is the one religion they must destroy. And to speak frankly about Australia, we are a Christian nation uh, demographically and statistically. Over 50% are Christians, 70% roughly believe in a higher being, 20% can't make up their mind, and 5 to 10% are atheists. Now, we are a Christian country. We, we swim in Christian waters, so to speak, even though most people don't understand that. The Every, every benefit in this country comes from the Christian ethic on which it is based. Having said that, we are a terribly godless country to the point where, in, in a political sense, we can't talk morality because that is just a concept too far beyond most Australians. So we've dumbed it down. We've simplified it to, well, let's decide what's right and wrong because even the word morality is so pregnant with misunderstanding and prejudice that that word is now useless. So in my speeches around the country, and they're always really well received, particularly when I talk about you don't want to really live in another country whose culture and the centre of every culture are their spiritual beliefs. That's That goes without saying. Culture comprises many parts, material parts, non-material parts, but at the centre are your spiritual beliefs. And having lived and worked in a lot of countries where Christianity is not the predominant approach, uh, life ain't good. Life ain't nice. It's a bloody awful place because... Just about all the major religions are supremacist religions. Judaism, Islam, um, Hinduism, the three biggest religions on the planet, they're all supremacist. Christianity, and this is why they must destroy it. Christianity has as its centre that we are all created in the image of God. We all have that divine spark, that divinity in each and every one of us. Therefore, we must be equal. Therefore, you cannot interfere with another person. And that's the uniqueness. And that's what the our adversaries, the... Uh, the cabal, call them what you want. They cannot afford to allow Christianity to survive if we actually believe that we are all divine, that we all have that divine spark. The other reason why they can't allow us to survive is 
Jesus Christ, as I like to say, taught us how to live, how to love, and how to die. And even the communists back in Australia, back in the old days, knew don't get the Christians riled up because their exemplar, their gold standard died on a cross without complaint, and they will do exactly the same thing. Don't get them going because they will hang on to that. And whatever divisions there are in the various Christian sects around the planet, with Christ at the center as our, as certainly my my uh, gold standard, my role model. With that, with that life that we uh, rely upon so dearly, that He lived, that makes us undefeatable once we get a, a head of steam up. And that's why they've got to destroy us. That's my take on it. They just cannot afford to let Christianity survive. They can let every other religious belief survive because it can be manipulated. But Christianity, apart from all the various discussions about what it comprises, we can go into that separately. But this is the one strongest, best hope for the, the salvation of the world. I'd like to actually uh, add a little bit to what Rick said, which was excellent. Um, and, and related from Christianity to actually freedom. So I, I hope everybody will agree with me that our most precious right is the right to our own thoughts. And, and to have the right to our own thoughts, we have to have free will. Now, when we get to Christianity, free will has been granted to us by God Almighty. So when we start to drift away from Christianity, let's say we're drifting away to materialism that does not recognize a God. And materialism um, seems to be quite prevalent in our society and our, especially our universities these days with the Marxist view that's being promoted out there, because in Marxism, there is no place for God. So for the materialists out there that choose not to believe in God or that there is a God, I'm going to ask you, who gives your right of um, freedom to decide? Who gives your right to freedom to decide? Because if it's not God, it's got to be somebody else then. Is it you? And I would say that it probably isn't. It's the people that are trying to control you. And one has to look no further than the draconian measures that were taken in the COVID lockdown to see what happens to individual freedom when they're put in the hands of others. So again, as Rick said, this is why Christianity is, uh, is, is basically being persecuted at this time, because when you are putting your belief in God into a higher power, and that's where your freedom of choice comes from, um, you are very resistant to being controlled by others. And then your eyes are opened up to also the control others are to put on you. So well said, Rick. Uh, Lee, I, I'm gonna call on you if you don't mind to act to share the story about freedom from the girl you wrote about in your book who ended up working as your office assistant. And when they drugged her, kidnapped her, and they held a gun to her head because they were shoot, going down the line shooting girls, murdering them. I think that's the most powerful story about freedom here and speaking up and knowing that the soul is infinite, the body is finite. Well, I don't want to spoil it. I think this is one of the way. And I had me crying, and I already knew about it because you shared it on the show previously uh, with me. And I still have tears in my eyes. And I bought a case of your books, and I shared it out here on me, by the way. I, think. I, I fixed that, yeah. Um... Yeah, it was a pivotal moment for me. I had just started doing the work in Asia. We were in a high rise in Bangkok. Uh, there was a businessman who had given our nonprofit uh, shared his office space with us so that we could get a stronghold and you know get our footing in the country. 
Um, and so I showed up and we were going to be running undercover, you know, Ricardo bossy types, uh, former special forces guys that were retired into the brothels for the purpose of amassing intel. They would pretend to be, uh, you know, pedophile buyers and go in and figure out if the guys in the brothels had knives or guns and what the security was like and where the girls were from and how many and what languages they spoke so that when we actually busted the brothels, we weren't walking in blind because as anybody who's been in the military or has a shred of common sense even could tell you that would you know, that would be a bad plan to just walk in blind and try to bust a brothel. So so there I was and, um, you know, I was in our new office space and the the gentleman who was sharing the office space said, hey, I hope you don't mind. And I, I, I didn't want to seem too forward here, but I hired you uh, a, a girl, a young girl to be your secretary um, slash what did he say? Like, uh, you know, she's going to be like Intel and your secretary or something, or an operative and your secretary. And I'm like, okay, yo, dude, I know I'm jet lagged and you're speaking broken English and you're Thai, but like my brain was just melting because the, the Navy SEAL guys look like Navy SEALs and Thailand secretaries look like Thailand secretaries. And the notion of both of those people being in one body was just, you know, really doing a number on me. So, I I challenged him a bit. I said, okay, I get that she's going to be my secretary, but did you say we're going to actually deploy her in the field or that she's got intel or something? And then he goes, you know what? I'll just let her tell you your her, her story herself. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I mean, I had my hands full. I had a lot of stuff going on at the time. So sorry, I have a heater at my feet. And I'm like, whoo, the room got hot all of a sudden. So, um, so it was a few days later and she walks into my office and she said, hey, I uh, I got your printer to talk to your laptop so you can print now. And I said, oh, well, bless your heart. Thank you so much. Because it's really hard for a lawyer if you can't print stuff and kill trees. And, uh, you know, we just don't know how to get stuff done without killing a tree a day. And uh, and then she didn't leave. She didn't leave. She, she was on the opposite side of my desk and she started playing with the tchotchkes and the paperweights. And, and she's standing in front of my guest chair and... I don't know what your experience is, Brad, or the other guys on the on the call here today, but it's almost like you can feel the air in the room shift when people are about to tell you something heavy or something serious is going to go down. There's it, it gets colder, it gets heavier, it gets darker, even though nothing in the physical universe has actually changed. The perceptic on your end is that that's changed. And, uh, and I could tell that she was going to say something heavy. So I just sort of remained quiet and she looked at me and she very gingerly sat on the edge of my seat, like a bird on a wire. And this was no longer the, the secretary persona that I was used to seeing with her. And she said, so I'm what happens when Australian men come to Thailand and marry a girl, a Thai girl. My dad was an Aussie. He was in the military, but he was a mean drunk. And my mother's a cowed and very shy and very not stand up for herself woman. And they would have these knockdown drag out fights. But that's why I speak perfect English, albeit with an Australian accent and perfect Thai. And I'm like, hmm, well, that answered that question. And then I, I remain silent. And she looks at me and she goes, so one day when my dad was beating up my mom and I was about 12 or 13 years old, I walked down the dirt road outside our hut. They lived in rural Thailand. Um, and I sat down on a bus bench just to clear my head. And a few minutes later, a pickup truck came by and three or four men, I think she said four men, uh, jumped out of the truck and out of the bed of the truck and wrestled me to the ground and shoved a needle in my arm. And it must have been pretty, pretty heavy narcotic in the, in the needle because I was instantly out. And when I awoke, 
I was in a slave trading camp on the Thailand-Burmese border. And uh, apparently, just like you used to have camps and auctions of Black African men and women from Africa in the Deep South 200 years ago in my country, um, they still have those. So she's in a slave trading camp where men from all over the world, brothel men who run the brothels, would come and buy their property, buy their girls. So she woke up because from her narcotic-induced you know, unconsciousness, because one of the guards executed a two-year-old baby sleeping next to her point blank because the kid had started to cry and he just didn't want to hear it. So that's how she came to. And uh, she lived in this camp for a while. And she said, so one day the guards in the camp did something that would be inconceivable if you were a cocaine dealer. You would never flush your product. But we're their product and we're expendable. They can just kidnap another girl. There's girls all over the place. There's families selling their kids to brothels because this is a communist country. You can't make a living. Your 14 children are going to starve this year. What do you do? You sell one to a brothel and you can live another year. So it's not like there's a shortage of us. So unlike good arms dealers or cocaine dealers, they'll just line us up for sport and execute us. And that's what they were doing this day. It was the first time I had been there that they were doing this. They lined us all up like a firing line. And the guards would go down and lay guns on temples. And every time the guard would get to a new girl, she would, without fail, drop to her knees, grapple for the gun, beg and cry and scream and plead for her life to no avail. And then she stopped talking. And I was doing my level best to keep my jaw off the ground and keep my face neutral. I've, I've had therapy. The last thing you want when you're in a therapy mode and disclosing stuff is for the other person to look scared or like they're going to burst into tears. So, you know, thank God I'd done some work on myself and knew how to react in the situation. And I looked at her and she didn't pick up the story again. So I said, so what did you do when you, when the guards got to you? And she looked at me and her voice entirely changed. And she said, I stood up and I reached out my hand and you said, and I said, you give me your effing gun. I will shoot myself because I don't want to live like this anymore. And the owner of the slave trading camp was walking by and he overheard the exchange. And he said, you follow me into the Quonset hut from which he did business and which was his de facto office. So she follows him in. He sits her down, takes a seat on his side of the desk. And he goes, so little girl, I've been doing this for a lot of years, and I'm here to tell you that everybody but everybody, no matter how strong, no matter what kind of a poser they think they are, everybody will beg for their life in the final analysis in my experience, and you didn't. And I want to know why. He was curious. And for her part, she said it again. She said, I'll tell you again what I said outside. And she stood up and leaned over the desk and said, I know you have a gun in one of the drawers down there. Give it to me now. I'll shoot myself, but I'm not living like this anymore. So he leans back in his chair, puts his hands behind his head, looks at her for a couple of seconds, and then goes, get out of here. You're free to go. She secured her freedom by standing up for it. And I have thought about that freaking story a lot in the 10 years since, but never more than the last three and a half years. And so, and I don't mean to offend your listeners, but I got something to say. You did not actually, in most countries, have a gun to your head. 
In Canada, they were chasing Aboriginal people into the bush to force vaccinate them. In Australia, Aboriginal people, sorry, I meant first American and the Canadians. But here in America, nobody came with a gun and said, uh, we're going to kill you if you don't get the vax that I've heard of. And I've heard a lot of shit stories, but I've not heard that. And I've heard people say, well, I had to get the shot. You always have a choice in any situation. You always have a choice and you are far better off fighting for your damned freedom on your feet and dying if need be than kneeling and taking a knee to tyranny because i got this to say (laughs) it doesn't stop coming when you turn the other cheek and if you've lived it all you should know that by now especially through the last 46 months so what i said on clay clark stage the first time when i told this story I told the audience, I said, here's the deal. When you are looking at a locked and loaded double barrel shotgun full of hate and anger and tyranny and whatever it may be that is ready to do you in, you stand up. You stand up because that is how you get it done. And in many cases, you will actually fare better by fighting than by staying silent and hoping for the best. So that was the girl's story. I didn't understand at the time why God had put me in the middle of a coup d'etat. They were having a coup that year too. It was crazy times. Um, And why she had shared this story with me. But, you know, hindsight makes your vision clear. And I can look back with the pastors, with all of us on this call and go, now I know why I was there. This is a segue I hadn't planned for. I appreciate you sharing because I'm going to read just a part of the remarks from the Virginia Convention. Extremely relevant to this aspect that you've just shared. And it's at the very back of this book. The gentleman says, the battle, sir, is not to be strong alone. It is to be the vigilant, the active, the brave. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Patrick Henry, his ancestor, on March 23, 1775, in Richmond, Virginia, just stand up. Everybody's links are below here, including Pastor Pavlowski, Solidarity Pastor Pavlowski, Ricardo, your, your remarks on just stand up. David, by the way, who I think was a wonderful example. Thank you for sharing. Well, you know, how you come, um, how you come back to the conversation hearing that kind of a story. I mean, this girl is a hero, um, literally a hero. And we don't have many heroes. I mean, I am ashamed of my colleagues. I think the worst thing that I have witnessed in the past three and a half years was the cowardice of pastors and clergy. I mean, it's a shocker to me because uh, when I read the Bible, and I read it many times, I think they didn't. I think that's the problem. They buy sermons on internet and you know, do this as a job. But it says, Jesus is talking to us. He says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. That means there is a price attached to freedom. If cost the father, 
the life of his own son, if it cost the son his own life, his own blood, if we were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, do you really think it's not going to cost you anything? I would say it will cost you everything. When you sign up to be a child of the living God, it's everything or nothing, life or death. There is nothing in between. You know, people during that time, 2020, people were telling me, my colleagues, not to push the envelope. Don't rock the boat. Just come on. Let's fly under the radar. But a good shepherd, the Bible says, fights the wolves when the wolves show up. I, I couldn't do any other way. When the wolves are showing up, I shoot them. I'm a hunter. That's what I do. Uh, the, every time I see a wolf, I shoot it. That's that's what shepherds do. We protect those that God has entrusted us with. It's not a job. It's a calling. It's a mission. It's It's life itself to be doing what we're doing. You see... I'm a perfect example of a smelling like a sheep and a goat and a fish child of God that didn't want to do this. I was not interested in politics. I was not interested in standing up and yelling Nazi and Gestapo at some people. Actually, the truth is, if you know me, people think, you know, um, you're so aggressive on the shows and in the media. Yeah, because I'm trying to communicate the message. But if you meet me personally, I, I like to withdraw myself. I don't I don't need this stuff. I love peace, believe it or not. If I see a conflict, I will rather walk away from the conflict than engage. But if you want to fight me, I give you a fight of your lifetime. I'm a Polish immigrant. And I truly believe that... The stories from the Bible, Shadrach, Michigan, Abednego, Deborah, Esther, Mordecai, you know, a man of a different spirit that the, the Bible calls them, uh, you know, Joshua or Caleb or David, the greatest king ever lived. I'm telling you, they, they were Polish immigrants. There is no other explanation to me. They for sure were Polish immigrants because Canadians would never do that. Canadians would say, I'm sorry that... I have to strike you with a rock, sir. Um, they will be apologizing to the enemies. Uh, so I'm looking at the stories from the Bible and I'm thinking like, they are, there must be my ancestors because that's how I would behave. There's no other explanation. So, you know, when you have the spirit of truth, spirit of freedom in your in your DNA, and that, that's why I love Americans so much because, and, and that's why I have, Either you like it or not, I have adopted myself to America and I don't care if they want me or not. I I adopted myself um, to be an American because they are so much like the Polish immigrants, so much like Poles. We we live for freedom. Freedom is, is everything. Jesus died for freedom. You see, where the spirit of the Lord, there's liberty. Whose son sets free is free indeed. Everything from the very beginning to the very end is about the truth that liberates people. It's it's about liberty. It's about freedom. And that's exactly what they're attacking. That's why what we're observing right now, and doctor is so 100% right here, we are observing the wannabe pharaohs trying to destroy those that worship the true living God because they hate competition. They cannot allow anyone 
to worship the true living God, because if you truly worship true living God, which is only one God, there's not 10,000 different gods, there's only one living true God creator of heavens and the earth, then you will not bow to the pharaohs. You will not obey evil orders. You cannot because the truth in you, the justice in you, the Holy Spirit in you will scream and yell, no, I'm not participating in this. So in Canada, we just had a human rights commission. So think about this. Human rights commission declared publicly for the entire nation that Christmas discriminates, therefore should be illegal. We're talking about Canada. Um, there are two nations on earth that were established on the word of God. That's United States of America. I don't know much about Australia. Maybe um, that was the same thing. But Canada, the, the, the people that came to Canada emigrated here. I mean, I'm talking about the pioneers 400, 500 years ago. When they came to this land, to the North America, they declared it gods. They went to their knees and they gave that land the new world, world without persecution, a world where a man can work hard and worship God without interference of the government, they declared this land and they give it to God. Israel is different. God has chosen, he has chosen Israel as his people. Americans and Canadians have chosen God as, as their God. That's the difference. That's why I believe that God is knocking and asking for our countries to come back to him because this is his property. America belongs to God. Either the crazy psychopaths like it or not, the covenant is signed by men that forged this country out of pain and suffering and death and tears and gave it to God and God honored it. So I, I believe, I truly believe we're going to see a shift I think the pendulum is swinging our way. And that's why I said for the past few years, as bad as it is, and it has been for me, I mean, I went through a roller coaster, crazy. That's why maybe I don't like roller coaster anymore because my life is, has become a roller coaster. Up and down, I'm flying every day. I mean, yesterday I was escorted by the police. I'm a political leader in the province of Alberta. And I was escorted out, out of a a lighting ceremony in the middle of the city hall, in the middle of war right now between the terrorists and um, and the Israelites. And I was escorted out by the security and the police. And the police officer said, I can celebrate the lighting of menorah outside in snow like a dog. That's what we're facing right now. They are traitors. And they should be charged with treason. And that's why I joined the political uh, sphere, because I finally realized that, yeah, we can yell and scream. And we had over 2 million people participating in a track convoy. We had 20,000 people every week on our streets in Calgary alone. And I traveled to other cities and we had thousands upon thousands of people marching, rallying, protesting. But what we need to do, we need to give them an alternative. So, okay, we march, now what? Well, we need to establish an alternative. We need to give them a venue, an umbrella, a party that people can join. That's why I agree with you. And, and you know, I'm so happy that they're good people starting political organizations because that's how we're going to get them. We need to go after them 
shame them and name them everywhere we go. They're bloody murderers. And we should attach their names and their faces to the statements. Also, we need to give people hope, alternative, another party, a party that will be a party for the people, of the people, by the people that uh, will protect their interests. Because in the end of the day, politicians, who are the politicians? Why could I say to those people, like, who do you think you are? You uncircumcised Philistines. Who do you think you are? Like, I mean, you're hyenas. That's what you are. You're bloody Nazis. You act like Nazis. You are Nazis. Who do you think you are? You're no better than me just because you have a badge and a pistol. I have a, you know what? I'm going to put a badge on me and I, and I do have a pistol. So, I mean, what is the difference? We have given you power to protect us. You people work for us. And the politicians used to be servants, but they're not servants anymore. They are terrorists. They are organized crime. So the, the only way we can change this is by getting good people involved in, in the battlefield, if you will, in the political sphere, in you know economy, in, um, in the mainstream media uh, or alternative media, and of course, in a so-called justice system, we need to fight at every, at every corner. So when I hear stories like that, that girl, I'm telling you, I'm angry. Even by hearing this, I get angry. I am I marvel at her courage, but I'm angry that there are human beings that are doing this to other human beings, and there are human beings that are allowing this to be done to other human beings. That makes me very super angry. I'm telling you, if I was there, I probably would be throwing rockets on the other side of that river. It's funny you mentioned that uh, you get angry at it because from my perspective, soldier's perspective, you expect the enemy to be the enemy, so you're not surprised when they do nasty stuff. Maybe it's the prism through which I see this. I reserve my ire, a bit like um, a bit likely, for those that I expected to do better. And like you, uh, the Christians I met, I call them bullshit Christians. I don't know what the basis of their faith is, but goodness me. I, I, I say to them, I'm a bit naughty, because my my theology is very simple. And growing up as a Catholic, I was an altar boy and I loved it. I was very earnest. I used to go to chapel at lunchtime and pray and things like that. And that gave me a very strong personal connection to the life of Christ, not to the catechism, not to the papacy, not to Rome, but to the man. That's what resonated more with me than anything else. And I can remember stories from when I was eight and nine years old that just, for whatever reason, stuck in my head. And people say to me, um, how do you keep going? And I actually have to think about that because I could no let no more stop breathing than do this. It's just it's being built into me. But what drives me, what gives me that confidence is that example set by Jesus Christ. It's really simple. I have a very simple theology. Live his life, speak his words, think his thoughts, be that man as best as you can. And that's actually the the theme of the prayer I'll read at the end, which I wrote some time ago. And people say, how do you keep going? And I say, well, okay, I have to think about it. And one day, and this is many years ago, my son said to me when I was a little boy, he's a strapping 23-year-old now, but he's a little boy, he said, Dad, why do you do what you do? And it was a really good question. It was one of those lovely questions that your children ask you, and they forget about it 10 minutes later. I gave him an answer, uh, but it didn't satisfy me. And I thought about it. <clears throat> and thankfully, you know, after enough time on the planet, you start to see patterns in your own life. 
And I thought about my time in the military and I thought, okay, well, I served with the, the Royal Australian Regiment. Their motto, duty first. And I thought, that's a good motto. Duty first. You've got to do what you've got to do because it's got to be done. Just get on and do it and stop whinging. But it doesn't tell me why because everyone on this panel knows that purpose is everything. If purpose is strong, the method is is, is easy enough. Now, and I, th that was good, but that didn't tell me why. Then I thought about Special Air Service Regiment, the vaunted SAS. Who dares? Fantastic. Doesn't tell me why. First Commando Regiment, strike swiftly. Brilliant. But it doesn't tell me why. And this just bugged me. And I was flipping through some old photographs in the album at the time. And I saw a photograph of me in 1985 as a young SAS captain in Papua New Guinea. And we were flying up the, the southern coast and the, the Huey had uh, landed, we were refueling, and I was sitting on a log. And out of the bush, and I spent a couple of years in Papua New Guinea not long after that, um, but out of the bush came about a dozen kids, and it was brilliant. These just kids just fluttered around me, and I was sitting on the log. Before I knew it, I had six on one side, seven on the other, and others hanging around. And somebody happened to get a, a happy snap of that photograph, a black and white, and it was a lovely shot. And then I was flipping through the pictures, and I saw another one. This is now 2012, Afghanistan. And I'm in, again, in uniform. And once again, coincidentally, I'm surrounded by kids all smiling and waving and giving a thumbs up. And it struck me. Uh, it took me all that time to figure it out. Why do I do what I do? And the motto I came up with is actually, I think it's a US Coast Guard motto, but it's beautiful. So others may live. And that's what I do, what I do. Now, the reason I tell that story is if people, you know, but I'm afraid, I'm, I get fear, I get it. Well, I'm, I don't fear anything anymore at all, ever. And it's a good place to be. But that comes from my following Christ's steps. Because every time I have a moment, and I have them, I'm human, and I say, do I really have to put up with this shit? And then I hear whispering in my ear, I did. <laughs> so, sorry, Lord. Okay, I'll get back to work now. I'll stop whinging. Just be grateful for what I've got and keep going. And so to everyone out there, get God lose fear. It's the best thing you'll do. It, it it seriously is. It is just, oh, it allows me, it allows me, my wife, because she's beside me. There's not a sliver of light between us. She's the best friend and best person I know on this planet. And we live and work this 24-7. We never stop. And, you know, people throw rocks or whatever metaphorically at us and uh, attempts on our life as well. And we just smile and go, okay, keep going. You can't beat us. So, ladies and gentlemen, please, that example of Jesus Christ, you, that's it. Get it. Be as much as you can. Become him. Think like him. Speak like him. Act like him. And all of a sudden you realize, you know what? As the pastor said, who's afraid of dying? Not me. <laughs> We're all going to go sometime. You know, circumstantial evidence is pretty strong. We're all going to fall off the perch. So whatever time you've got left on the planet, make it worthwhile. Yeah. And you know, that'll, that'll yeah. give you hope. That'll give you the fight. That'll help you to do what you've got to do the way it's got to be done. Absolutely. And as we wrap up here, what I'd like to do, if you don't mind for time, I've got a quote to read. I'd like to share a two-minute video. One of you will definitely, if not all of you, recognize this video. And then go through closing remarks, starting with Dr. Webb, and then closing with prayer. If that's all good for everybody. Here's the quote, and it comes underneath one aspect of Ricardo's book. Again, hello, greatness awaits you. A moral people. And as Rick placed this quote in the book, cowardice asks the question, is it safe? 
Expediency asks the question, is it politic? Vanity asks the question, is it popular? But conscience, conscience asks the question, is it right? And there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, nor politic, nor popular, but one must take it because it is right. Martin Luther King Jr., Baptist preacher, civil rights activist. And now we'll move over to this video. Closed non-essential businesses and further certain members of society to prevent the spread of disease known as typhus. These men's names, Joseph Goebbels and Adolf Hitler. You think you're special. I am here to tell you, you are not. You are the new Fourth Reich, and I have news for you today. We will not be locking down or taking funding over RSV, which 90% of children control before the age of two, and only 100 to 500 a year die, which is a 0.0000047283 death rate. It is 41 millionths of a percent. Let me add a little bit here. Your whole meeting today was unlawful under the COVID section, sorry, the government sections. Our governor's executive order that allowed you to suspend notice of meeting was specific to COVID, and your agenda item is specific to respiratory syncytial virus. Therefore, under the government, Government code, you are bound to notice requirements. An emergency under the government code section is defined as crippling activity or other activity which severely impairs public health and safety. And let me tell you, folks, a 0.0000047814% death rate is nowhere near an emergency. You will not get more blood money into this county. You will not get more state or federal funding for our hospitals. This is not an emergency. To do so is fraud. You will not mask us like she just talked about doing. You will quarantine the world with the sick. You will not keep our kids in the school. Damn right, you're not gonna cripple our businesses anymore. Do you hear me? We will never lock down again. This is my only dialogue. Yes, this is a bad would you just set up for us where that was shared and we'll go to closing remarks and closing prayer. you want you want me to weigh in on that real quick i think you certainly deserve the opportunity to weigh in on your remarks next to this morning. you 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 uh blindsided me there so that was a year ago almost to the day that was november of 22 um, Orange County is the testing ground for uh, the deep state, I've come to believe. And the reason for that is we are a large conservative county in California. It doesn't tell them anything if they can take L.A., San Francisco and New York. Those are lost causes. So when the deep state wants to know if they can push a plan, a bad plan, they trial run it in a large conservative county. And if they can get us to bend over and bow down, they know they can go on from there. And if they had taken Orange County, they would have taken Cali and from there, the country, and of course, from there, the world. That was their second run at doing a second lockdown. They locked us down today, notwithstanding my fire and delivery on the mic, but here's where the name and shame comes into it. Politicians care about one thing and one thing only, and that is getting reelected. So that video went viral all around the world. I woke up the next day. They, they put us in a second lockdown state of emergency over RSV virus. It was 
I mean, it was ludicrous. It was all the same. Oh, we're out of hospital beds and oh, the numbers are rising and all the same fear porn. I mean, but it was like, it wasn't even a hiccup. Like there wasn't even a thing going on. They were just manufacturing it. So the next day that video goes viral around the world. I'm talking people in Kenya are weighing in on other people's Twitter accounts because I didn't even have a Twitter account. It's We've got aboriginals in the back end of Perth who are like, I don't know who that lady is, but damn right we're not locking down again. We, ha I mean... And the one thing that they cannot in good conscience allow is for themselves to be publicly tarred and feathered. So when the weight of the world started swinging in and we had millions of comments from Croatia and Africa and Japan, Orange County knew this ain't going to fly. This ain't going to fly. So next two weeks later at their next board meeting, apropos of nothing, we didn't even show up. We're like, screw you. We're going to go on with our lives. This is, you know, a storm in a teacup. If that we're, we're just not locking down again that we didn't ask them to, they just of their own volition got rid of the, the COVID emergency or the uh, RSV emergency as did LA that was making similar noises. They just stopped talking about it, rolled it back like it never happened. And suddenly they were derailing trains and, and we were playing the environmental card. They are coming for us again. The white lung thing, they're trying the same thing again. But what that video shows is if we come out hard and we come out swinging and you get some eloquent people on the mic and you get the weight of the world, the power of the people pushing back either on foot in the streets or through social media, the deep state turns tail and runs as they always do. They fear truth. They fear we are greater than them in number. So uh, my two cents is, you know, stand your corner, fight your corner, and recognize that what Desmond Tutu said uh, is absolutely true. When you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. Neutrality is a vote, and it's a vote for the wrong damn side. So stand up, speak up, and if you do that, and we all do it together, They'll be done before they start. That is always the marching order for any fight that comes our way, regardless of the pretext for it. Um, and by the way, we're winning because we've only got 7% uptake on the new vaccine, which tells you the world is cottoned on to them. And breaking news, I'll make this really fast. I know I'm over time. Um, healthcare facilities in America are starting to get these emails. And it says, bivalent Pfizer and Moderna vaccine are no longer authorized or approved for use in the United States and should not be administered going forward. Our office will inactivate your COVID status and clear any unauthorized inventory. Please immediately dispose of any Pfizer and Moderna vaccines in the usual way. Information about new COVID vaccines, yada, yada, will be forthcoming. So there are starting to be cracks in the dam, and our job is to drive a Mack truck through those. Keep spreading the truth. It is the new actual uh, you know, vaccine, as it were, against this war. Awesome. Pastor Pavlovsky, Dr. Rev, Ricardo, Pastor Pavlovsky. Well, um, you know, like I have been saying for years, when I uh, did some work in Africa, we started orphanages and medical clinics and uh, went there to see what's happening with, with our funds to, to see the operations. I was privileged. I consider this a privilege to be able to see uh, the nature over there. And we were... Um, witnessing a hunt of lions and God allowed me to see that because he clearly showed me during those experiences what we are called to be and I'm telling you it changed my perspective on things sometimes we we 
think of ourselves as the victims. Poor me, the 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 whining, complaining, little me. Those are big monsters. I don't stand a chance. Uh, that's not true. Like always, right now, I tell my people that the moment God shows up, it's over for the enemies. We are lions. When lions shows up, even the birds are stopping chirping. The monkeys take notice. The whole nature notices the coming of the lions and lionesses. And when I observe that, it's like, this is marvelous. The nature recognizes the majesty and the power of those creatures that God created to be rulers, to be kings and queens. And God says, I want you to walk like that. I want you to understand who I am. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of heavens and the earth, the giver of life. I am everything. And you live, and even your enemies are only alive because I allow them to be alive for a purpose, for a reason. They're useful to me at this moment. You are to also understand who you are in me. You are a lion. You're a child of the living God. You're heir to the throne. I mean, you are my son. You are my daughter. Act like a prince. Act like princess. So that changed my perspective. Now I understand the concept. We have already won. The enemy just doesn't know it yet. The only time the enemy can get us is when we quit. So do not quit. Keep plowing like a good farmer, believing that when you cultivate the land, remove those stones and put that seed in, sooner or later, you're going to see a great harvest. And sometimes it's discouraging because it looks like everything is against you. But I'm telling you, God is for us. God is always on the side of the truth and freedom. So, of course, he's freedom. Um, so that that's my perspective. My message is very simple. Let's go after the villains. It's time. It's about time to go after them now and, and the evil they have done to humanity. Also, remember who you are. You are humans created in image in the image of the living God, your lions and lionesses. So, you know what, like, uh, like I always say during my um, conferences, um, we are lions. Lions do not bow before the hyenas. We eat them for breakfast. So go out there and help me out because I'm getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I really need help. I'm on, I have been for the past three and a half years on a very strict hyena diet. I need, I need some other creatures, you know, so you help me out and, and 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 that's true if you if you look at it in the end of the day truth wins every time we just have to persevere and just like the soldier here you guys were soldiers so you understand the concept i was a fighter i was a, a professional uh, boxer martial art artist so uh, a concept of fighting is is not foreign to me um you show up for a fight because if you don't show up for a fight you have already lost but when you show up for a fight, there is that hope that you can win. <laughs> so show up because we are about to win the greatest victory this earth has ever seen. I truly believe that this is our time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Bradley, wow. A man who has had his own mysteries in Africa and saved people's lives with his own hands as well as being around multiple cultures and having a spiritual awakening experience, as well as being in those situations where you've seen or been privy to some of this stuff, like Lee has, Arthur has, Ricardo is sharing his lifetime experiences. What is your divine message and what are, 
remarks. It's been about a good 15 minutes since you've chatted, so we'll definitely give you some good time here, sir. Well, my, my first one is after listening to uh, to Lee's uh, little video message there, I'd really like to know what brand of coffee she drinks because I really got to get onto that myself. <laughs> I don't drink <laughs> any coffee. No coffee. Well, well whatever, oh, whatever else you're on, I need to find out. If you're just high on Christ, that's cool too. But one of the themes that has come out uh, or a message to me by all of the wonderful panelists here is uh, it can be just actually posed in a question. If you just stop and ask the average Joe on the street, what do you think is more dangerous, ignorance or apathy? The response is probably going to be, I don't know and I don't care. And that's where we're really at right now. You know, Lee's message of you, you can't take that attitude. You got to stand up. And if you're not standing up for yourself, you need to stand up for other people, which is something we sadly did not see um, during the COVID hysteria with all the lockdowns in Australia and the police brutality and everything else. And on the spiritual um, side of things to all of the people that do consider themselves spiritual, the, the book of Revelation in the Bible is my favorite. And one of the lines that really resonates with me is um, the Christ message to the city of, I'm going to mispronounce this, probably Laodicea, where he, he says, because you're neither hot or cold, I'm spitting you out. And that resonates with me as a lukewarm Christian. You got to run hot or you got to run cold. You know, just kind of muddling along, going with the flow is not good enough. And Christ doesn't accept that. So uh, we're going to have to make some decisions here. And we're going to have to decide. And we're going to have to start educating ourselves to get rid of ignorance. And we're going to have to start participating to get rid of apathy, which is what all the other panelists are calling us to do. And in the great words of the poet, philosopher, songwriter, Bob Dylan, who wrote in that song, you got to serve somebody. As Bob tells us, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And I would like our listeners to maybe think about that a little bit. And for the ones who are sitting back and saying, well, I neither serve the devil and I neither serve the Lord, then my question I want to pose to you is, what do you worship? Because everybody worships something. If you're not worshiping God, it could be your job, it could be your clubs you belong to, your social status, your cars, even your children, but you're worshiping something and you need to have a hard look at your life, what it is. Because as Christ said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So I would just like all of our viewers to just take some time to do some self-examination, look into themselves, and hopefully um, start picking themselves up as Lee said and standing up. Standing up, exactly. Thank you, Dr. Reb, as well as myoplasmic. That's the name of white lung syndrome, by the way, everybody. It's called myoplasmic pneumonia, which is one of the 1,291 adverse reactions, also known as the side effect, of the bioweapon, which the state of Florida has said it's a bioweapon and a technological weapon because, as Dr. Anna Mahalchia, as well as Dr. Spiker, University of Welch, just shared on our last Alliance of Indigenous Nations call, including the video of the billions of nano robots in the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines, all classified, all right there, so everybody can see that. And so we have to speak up, we have to stand up, and we can't ride the fence. Bishop Jim O'Connor said that. This is Ricardo Bosi. He said, Jim, you're my kind of bishop. He said, if you are riding the fence, that's where the devil sits, and he is loaded it up with spikes, and all he's going to do is keep pulling you down on those spikes by both legs. 
So over to you, Lieutenant Colonel Ricardo Bosi, Australia One Party leader, for final remarks and ending us with a beautiful prayer in English. Final remarks, easy. Get God, lose fear. That's it. Get God, lose fear. Get that first step and you can take every other step. So I'll just get stuck straight into these two prayers. First in English and secondly in Italian. I wrote these recently for a, um, a podcast that, that Brad and I were on with Gene Decode. <clears throat> Almighty Father, we pray through your servant, Jesus Christ, who showed us how to live, how to love and how to die. We walk his path. We hear his voice. We see his vision. We pray with his fervor. We speak with his courage. We act with his compassion. We are fearless in our faith as he was fearless in his faith. We continue his work. Amen. Padre Omnipotente, preghiamo per mezzo del suo servo, Gesù Cristo. Chi ci ha mostrato come vivere come amare e come morire. Percorriamo il suo cammino, sentiamo la sua voce, vediamo la sua visione, preghiamo con il suo fervore, parliamo con il suo coraggio, agiamo con la sua compassione. Siamo impavidi nella nostra fede come lui era impavido nella sua fede e continuiamo il suo lavoro. Amen. 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 Thank you all so much for being here on this round table. Four continents, four countries, three continents, four time zones. This is what it takes, everybody. You just witnessed it right here with these incredible divine souls from around the world to save humanity. This is our time. God bless you all. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us on the program, ladies and gentlemen. Please like, follow, subscribe, share this with nine friends and family. And of course, if you enjoy our blinged Buddha firing red pills from his nine mil, let us know.